0: Welcome to I'm Fine You, brought to you by Maybelline New York, where we are normalizing the conversation around anxiety, depression, and mental health. Now, here's your host, Chrissy Rutherford. Hello, and welcome to I'm Fine You, presented by Maybelline New York. Maybelline's Brave Together initiative is dedicated to breaking the stigma around anxiety and depression while addressing challenges and providing resources to those in need. Hi, I'm Christy Rutherford, and on this podcast, we're channeling this mission into real-life conversations to help normalize talking about our mental health and provide tangible resources and guidance to anyone who might be struggling or who knows someone that is. Today, I am so excited to be joined by the Confidence Queen herself, Achiang Agutu. Achiang is a content creator, podcast host, model, and confidence advocate, among many other amazing things. Known on Instagram and TikTok as No Ordinary Noir, she empowers her over half a million followers through her lifestyle content as a Black woman who loves fashion, skincare, beauty, and luxury. Achiang first gained prominence for her comedic monologues, focused on showing what regular bodies look like. Her personal mission is to empower people to authentically live their best lives through self-love and self-confidence and by reshaping beauty standards. Hi, Achiang. Welcome to I'm Fine You. Thank you so much for having me, Chrissy. I was excited. Oh my, I'm so excited to talk to you today because your content is just such a source of joy and inspiration to so many people, myself included, of course. Let's talk about what first motivated you to even start creating content and sharing yourself with the world. I started in 2017, then got out of a relationship that was kind
1: of ended a little bit tumultuous for me. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for a way to just like get back to my energy and sort of find myself and just step beyond this just feeling of being broken and not able to do anything and so I started just sharing my affinity for life and cute clothes and cute things on like the internet as a blog like every week I would have a blog out and then my friends were like you should just do exactly what you do on this website and put it on Instagram and kind of just like was posting for fun and I still do that but sharing my life with people and it was exciting. And then the pandemic came and I was looking for a community that was just beyond the four people in our house I needed to. I was like (laughs) going crazy. I was like, I need to talk to other people. I need to do something else. And so this is also when I was like really seriously taking my self-love and self-confidence and just like healing journey, like more serious than I had been before. And felt like I wanted to share that with a Larger audience. And so I was posting just, you know, things I've learned in, in therapy or dancing or things that make me feel good mm-hmm. on my page. And it resonated with a group that was just beyond my, you know, just the community I had already made. And, you know, there was people being like, hey, thank you so much for like doing that. That like helped me feel better today. Or thank you for dancing. This made me feel like this. And so that's kind of just when it took off and it kind of created this tantalizing, beautiful community we have today.
0: Yes. Do you remember the first video that really popped off for you during the pandemic? Because I feel like so many of us were on social media pre-pandemic, of course, but then there was something about being in that vacuum of like, we're all in lockdown. We're all chronically online. And I think, you know, a lot of us were feeling like we needed more of an outlet outlet. And so many people found a lot of success during lockdown time. So, yeah, I'm just curious if you remember, like, the first one that, like, really started taking off for you. These two,
1: but the one I remember the most is because Viola Davis reposted it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I was like, Yo, you know, Viola's my girl. We love yes. her. And it was a video of me in, like, this blue two-piece set just telling women to just, girl, just wear that freaking outfit, like, stop waiting for a special moment, stop waiting for a special someone, stop waiting for people's opinion on whether you look good or not. You just wear it. And it was right at the beginning of the summer. So it was like when people were like afraid to wear something because of, I'm afraid to like, I don't have my summer body and all these things. So, all right. I know that was the first one that I remember taking quite a bit of traction.
0: Good enough for Viola Davis, then. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly, at this point, I was like, ah, and like there's a few times I would like comment on her things and she's like, hey, I'll be like, girl, I love you. If I ever saw her, I'd be
0: like, you have to remember me. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I also remember that video, though. That was definitely iconic. Every time your videos pop up, it just like puts a smile on your face. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I think that's a very unique position to be in when you can really create content that Uplifts people. But you've also lived such a fascinating life so far. You were born and raised in Kenya, and then you came to the US, right, to continue your education. What was that experience like for you moving to a new country as a teenager?
1: It was exciting for me. The people who were afraid were my parents, who currently still live in Kenya. They were just terrified. I'm the youngest the baby of the family. And so, you know, they were just terrified to let me be in another country without them. But for me, I was like really just excited to be somewhere else. And and I think I, from the get-go, had always wanted to be doing something that was just beyond me and beyond my space, that being Kenya. And so for me, I was just pumped. I did one year of high school in Richmond, Indiana, and I thought I'd like walk in and there'd be like Troy Bolton and like high school musical kind of vibe. And you know, people will be dancing and singing. So I was just like pumped to be just in the space. It didn't happen like that, sadly. But I was just ready to expand my wings beyond a community that had been very restricting for me. And I just always felt uh, suffocated being told, like, oh, you know, as a girl, you can't whistle, you can't <laughs> wear this, you can't talk like this, you can't be like that because it's unladylike. And it's not what women of a certain caliber do. And so for me, I was like, girl, I just want to be out here living life. And I just want to be out here being vibrant and loud. And it is very much who I am right now. <laughs> yeah, And I'm glad that I was able to be in a space where I could learn more about myself and
0: explore myself. Did you feel like you had to spend a lot of time sort of like unpacking and unlearning the things that you were taught growing up? I mean, obviously all of us go through that, but yeah, in that moment, it was happening so fast
1: that I really didn't have time to process. Like A lot of those things I'm processing now in my young adulthood, in my own healing, I'm processing that like, yeah, this is something that happened. I used to be like this and now I'm like this. I used to be very quiet and very tame and very afraid of the world and very afraid of living for myself And like, yeah, now I'm dealing with those things now. I'm like processing whatever that meant to me then, now. And I think it's still going to continue happening because I'm still unlearning those things like every day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also you just saying that you felt afraid to do certain things or you were very quiet. I think also being a part of a Black family, I think a lot of times, you know, you are taught to... Make sure that you're acting a certain way as to not like draw attention to yourself. And there is a lot of fear instilled in us because of the way that the world reacts to us. So I can totally understand where you're coming from in that regard. And I think so many of us actually have to go through that and come to understand that we're allowed to be our full expressive selves.
1: Yeah, it's just interesting that you say that because then when I moved to the United States, I was like living with a white family who were Mm -hmm. very like, you can do this and you can explore yourself in this way and you can eat this and you can decide what you want to be and all that. And so it was such a stark difference. But I think my whose mother, who recently passed, had always been just telling me like, it's okay to be vibrant. It's okay to have an opinion it's okay to step out of your comfort zone and just do something that you want to do. Like your parents don't have to make this decision for you. And it would be the smallest things from like, what am I wearing today? Like that would be like a mountain for me. Cause I didn't do that. You know, I would wake up and my mom would have already been like, Hey, this is you're either wearing your school uniform or if it's the weekend, this is what you're wearing out, you know? So it was something as small as just planning something to wear to even ordering something at a restaurant. And so it was such a crazy stark difference because the day before, my parents in Kenya were making decisions for me of even what I was wearing to come to the U.S. And then like 24, whatever, like 48 hours later, people were telling me, what do you want to eat? You make that
0: decision. And did you feel overwhelmed? Like, yeah. how do you even like know what you like and, and what you want to do? yeah.
1: <laughs> 'Cause I only liked what my parents liked. Because for example, like my mom doesn't really eat red meat. So we didn't eat red meat. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, I don't like red meat, but it's just because my mom doesn't eat it. So we never ate it in our house. And then, you know, to going to like we're at a restaurant and I'm like looking at my host and I'm like, order for me now. It was hard. It was really hard. And, and I'm sure. Yeah. Like it was just like an uncertainty of like being like, who am I actually like? I was living under the guise of somebody else. And somebody else's like wants and needs and just never really knew what I wanted. And so I would normally just shut down because I I would just crumble and shut down and not know what to do. Whether it's like I can't decide what to eat, I'll just eat whatever is there. Like I wouldn't even say what I want. Or like even when it came to finances, I didn't know how to even handle my own money. If they gave me like, let's say, $20, I don't even know how to use it. I don't even know how to keep it because for me, money had already been planned for me in terms of like, okay, this is exactly this amount and you're going to buy this thing for this amount of money. Going into a supermarket and being like, okay, I want to buy a snack, but not even knowing how to like really use this money. Wow. Regardless of where I was, whether I was in Kenya or in the United States, like yeah, I feel like that also affected me. How I continued to view money in my life and and view mm-hmm. finances and be like, oh, my God, I've worked, I've earned this money, but that I don't know what to do. And then you're scared to spend it. Right. Yeah. And if you do, you're like, I don't know, it's like this weird space that I'm also still trying to
0: like understand in my life. Yeah. And, you know, I think when we talk about our parents being more restrictive with us, like obviously that's a function of our parents wanting to protect us and also thinking that they know what's best for us right and like my parents are Jamaican and it is such a part of the culture to like always respect your elders and older people know better than you so it feels very hard to actually challenge that mm-hmm.
1: yeah and I think my parents our relationship is still growing right but like yeah I think they pick up from the time that I left like Every time I go back, they pick up from there. Every time I like when I go back. So when I left in 2013, I went back the next year and they picked up from when I was 16 and not when I was 17. Yeah. You know, and then I went back two years later and they would pick up from when I was 17 and not when I'm the next age. And then I recently went back in December of this year, but I hadn't been back home in quite a bit because of the pandemic and all that stuff. And so they pick up from when I was, like, 20 and not when I'm, like, 25. It's also experiencing that and them not also understanding, like, I've grown and this is who I am and I'm doing so many different things with myself. And, like, even my dad still asks me, like, go, you, you live in New York? You've never been lost? He still thinks I'm just this small little child who needs to be taken care of. He's like, wait, you've never gotten lost in New York? It's so big. Or even asks, like, so you just pay rent? I'm like, yeah, I do. It's like by yourself, you know, like also them trying to catch up with me. Yeah. And only experiencing me digitally, you know, whether we're talking on the phone or FaceTiming or all that stuff, but not really physically experiencing me as their child.
0: Yeah. And it must be also so hard for them to actually see and get to know who you are as A like right now, because they live so far away. But like, yeah, how do you kind of go about educating your parents? Like, this is who I am now. Like, this is what I do. Because also, I feel like from what I've heard about African parents, it's like they want you. Obviously, they want you to get an education like everything else, but they want you to be like a doctor or a lawyer or like, you know, a really like a grounded, safe career. So what do they think about you being a content creator?
1: I mean, they definitely didn't understand it at first it's like such a random thing to like explain and like my parents were just like oh yeah so you're just taking pictures and videos and I'm like yeah but like there's more to it and like how do you like really explain that as a thing that is a stable job for me and like has stable income and stable support for me and yeah you know we went through the whole thing where you know my brother is like a full-blown chemical engineer and He lives in Switzerland and he's fabulous and like he's like the star child. And people are like, why can't she be like Churchill? And I think my parents' biggest fear for me was just, will I be able to take care of myself? Of course. And will I be able to have a job that does that for me, especially in a country like the U.S. where I'm still on an immigrant visa. And like at any point, any law can change that can jeopardize that for me. So for them, their biggest fear was just, does this thing seem viable for you in your future in this country or in the world? I think there's been like very many affirming things that have happened since I decided to not go corporate, you know, to end that life and go full-time influencing. And there's a lot of affirming things that have happened in my career that I've been to them like, okay, cool. We love this. And my parents love it too. Like, my dad is like the original ordinary noir. He's very loves
0: the camera. He loves. Oh, I've seen him in some of your videos. I feel like he's very <laughs> yeah. much like my dad as well. My dad likes a little bit of the spotlight. Oh, loves
1: it. He's like loves of his ass. Like when we're in Kenya, then be like people who would come up to me it was like, "Oh my god!" Like, "Oh, we know you. You're a Cheng's dad," and he'd be like, "Yeah." He's always ready for a picture and all that. So, you know, they have gotten to a point where. They understand that it makes me very happy and mm-hmm. it fulfills me. And if it fulfills
0: me, it fulfills them. That's where they've come to. So,
1: you know, now they're vibing with it. <laughs>
0: I love it. So I'm like, I don't know if I'm allowed to go here. And I know people always think that it's like crass to bring up money. But there was an article that came out about you earlier this year <laughs> Yeah, that you made one million dollars last year. What did your parents think about that?
1: I'm even shocked that that happened. Definitely, you know, my team and I like worked our asses off, you know, to make that happen. But for them, it's just so insane. And my parents are very spiritual people and they have always been praying for my success, especially in this career. And I think for it to come through that way tenfold is just... They can't even imagine it. They can't imagine what that means for them, what that means for me, what that means for my career. Like my dad, like cut out the article. It's framed in the house. It's like, I
0: love that.
1: He's always like super good about those things. And so, yeah, they were just, the word is ululating. And I don't know if you know what the word ululating is. No, I don't. It sounds like, It's like, it's a a sound that Africans use to show excitement. So that's just a utilization of of joy every time they think about it. And so, yeah.
0: But are they also the parents who are still like concerned that you're not going to be able to take care of yourself, even though you've obviously made a considerable amount of money?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think both my parents still don't like comprehend that I'm able to have the kind of income that I do have. And I think they're thinking about them, like when they were my age, they had had both their kids, like my brother and I, and we're sort of like just trying to make it through the world together, you know, whatever that meant for them financially. And so for me to now be like, When I was back home and be like, hey, I want to go do this or I want to go see my friends and stuff like that. And my dad would still like sneak a little money in my purse because he's like, I just want you to take care of yourself, even though I really can. He just doesn't understand. He just still, in his eyes, just sees me as this like really young girl, like this really young baby who just needs a little support, which we do all the time. But I think it will take them a long time to understand that because I'm getting to a point where. I'm taking care of them. I want to take care of them. I want to give them everything and anything they want. And I think it will take them a while for them to even accept for me to do that for them. (laughs) I know. And I
0: think that's just how parents are. Like, we're always going to be their babies. And that's just how it goes. So you've also described yourself as an education baddie and you have multiple degrees. You speak four languages fluently Talk a little bit about the importance of education in your life and how it impacts the confidence you have in your content.
1: Yeah, I think for education for me, like half my family are educators, starting from my grandparents to my father to my aunties, my dad's mom, everybody. We're kind of like really heavy on education. And I think for me, it opened up spaces that I never knew I could walk into. So for example, in Kenya, I went to an international school. I was opposed to going to a Kenyan school. And that opened up the opportunity for me to now meet the host family that I moved to the United States with. They lived in Kenya and I was really good friends with their son because we're in the same class. And they were able to be like, hey, girl, let's move to the back to the US together, right? That opened up that space for me. And then from that to just, like, being able to connect with like-minded people, really able to, like, expand my horizon beyond, like, what I had even thought of. Because I could have just started my platform, right? Just, like, I could have just started No Ordinary Noir and just posted... Anything I wanted. And that's what I did. But then I went to grad school and I did business analytics and marketing. And that also helped me like market myself to brands, really understand my own analytics of my page and how that will help with engagement and how that would work in terms of just monetizing my page. And so it's all about just accessibility. That's what I think education is it creates accessibility for people to new spaces, new places, new things just different ideas, innovation. And I think that's just so important. And like, I'm all about, especially like there's something about an educated baddie that just does it for me. Like, I just, I love, I love (laughs) a girl with with a degree. It just does something. And it's so powerful. And like the kind of confidence that you have walking throughout the world, just knowing like, yeah, I did that. Whether it's a law degree, it's a doctorate, a BA, whatever it is, like, I just love it. And it's powerful. And I know that education is not open and accessible to everyone and glad to have worked with brands that have given me the opportunity to give other people that opportunity in terms of education. But I just love it.
0: And what would you say to the Gen Z kids? Because I feel like a lot of them want to issue going on to college because they want to just be content creators or influencers, celebrities. That feels like the focus for so many of them. But I feel like
1: right now we live in 2023 where there's so many spaces for education that's just beyond school. And that's how I feel. Like one thing I understand is like school is not for everyone. And sometimes depending on whatever education system you're in, it might do you more harm than it would do you good. I would say learn from the world, like whether that's travel, like explore yourself beyond You know, just like I'm sitting at a table and I'm writing a paper. Like there's so many things you can do in terms of just like being educated, expanding your horizons,
0: just picking up a book, just
1: picking up a book, you know, just like reading something, you know? And so it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like, I'm in a class, I'm doing these things. But like you can do a course, you can do a course about, I don't know, fragrance and then come on TikTok and talk to people about, you know, this is all the things I want about fragrance, whether it's being a sommelier for, I don't know, these people who are like sommeliers for water and get paid thousands of dollars, literally. And you come on TikTok and you talk about it. There's somebody who like talks about rocks all the time, then trains and all these things. And they're just like people who are really passionate about that. So I think beyond just being like, I'm sitting down and I'm going to class, you can find something that you're passionate about and invest in it and hone into it and then be the very best at it. And you can do it on TikTok, you can do it on Instagram, but like Find something that makes you happy and invest in it and do something about it.
0: And speaking of things to be passionate about, obviously, you are very passionate about body positivity and when it comes to mental health, body image can be so impactful. You've empowered so many people to embrace their bodies as is and love themselves. What inspired you to start encouraging other people to like really live their authentic lives?
1: I just really felt like I was not happy and not living for myself and always kind of just like in my people-pleasing era (laughs) and feeling like I was doing everything for everyone but myself. And I hated it because it was so exhausting. It wasn't good for my mental health. It wasn't good for me as a person. And I just was over that. And I was trying to figure out like, what can I just do for me? Like, what is that? And so I think I just in my journey of like l- trying to find peace and, and love myself, I decided to just be that representation for myself, whether that was loving my body, loving my skin, walking around without hair, wearing an outfit and having my stretch mark show or having my fupa show. <laughs> like I was waiting for someone else to do that for me.
0: I'm like, no one has owned the fupa just like as a term <laughs> more than you. Truly.
1: I just love it. And I think people are so afraid to be like, oh, I have a little belly. I'm like, girl, embrace that fupa. It's cute. It's gorgeous. You can't have a body without having it. And if you don't have it, that's amazing. And if you do have it, like just let it be fun and sexy and let it hang. You know what I mean? And so I was in a space where I was like in my people pleasing era, trying to figure out how I'm trying to make people like me there, but then also trying to to find other people who like emulate the very person I am today. And I was just like really tired of waiting for that. And I was like, listen, I'm just going to do it. Okay. And I'm going to try it and it's going to be scary, but I'm just going to let people know like, listen, if I can try and work to love myself, you can do it too. And I feel like it's helped me so much. And for a long time, I had to fake it till I make it and look in the mirror and be like, girl, you are that girl. You're so beautiful. You are a are a creme de la creme. You're an icon and a legend. I had to say that to myself and over and over and over again. Because I knew there was a higher version of myself that is that. That's who I am today.
0: That was gonna be one of my questions. Was it a fake it till you make it situation for you to like really get to that place?
1: Yes. No, absolutely. Like I was like tapping out. There's like a version of myself that I wanna be. And I call her Escovia because she's she's that girl. And I would like tap out to her when I was like not feeling the most confident, not feeling my best. I'd be like tap in right now and step into the meeting or tap in right now and step into this space or make that call or make this video because sometimes you just have to fake it until you make it. And I feel like it's hard, but envision the higher version of yourself and what you will do and do that.
0: And Something else I wanted to talk to you about is the fact that you are a finalist in a Sports Illustrated 2023 swimsuit search. Like that is a very big deal. That is not something you can fake. (laughs) No, that is. Oh, my goodness. I think about that every day and I'm like, is
1: this real? I'm like, what like this is like something I had had on my vision board like since 2013 which is when I came and some of me and my little girlfriends were like making mood boards and vision boards and what we want to do and three years later we had seen Ashley Graham on it and we're like oh a little girl with a little curve okay that could be us too okay and so I had just had it like stuck on my vision board. I need to try and find it. So I should probably find it and bring it, archive, bring it back. But I had just thought that's something I wanted to do. And I wanted to be a representation of like women who look like me and talk like me and have the same life background as I do. This was my first year doing it. And my friend Cami Crawford had been like, oh, you should do it. You can get it because she's a rookie. Period. She's so gorgeous. She is too amazing, too fabulous. And so I had applied and thought nothing about it because there was so many fabulous people on that page. And I submitted and forgot about it because it took months to respond. And when they responded, I was like, Lord Jesus. <laughs> and that's a manifestation and that's on being a baddie, you know? And so I'm just so excited about it. And it's so affirming for me that is validating my story by bringing me this far. And so I'm just so excited and I can't wait. Can't wait.
0: It's so amazing. I absolutely love that for you. Also, in your videos, you talk a lot about the need for society to, you know, reshape our standards of beauty and the impact that unrealistic expectations have put on women and young girls, how do you think we can all be a part of making this change happen?
1: I think it's so tough because these new standards of beauty every day, I feel like there was a whole BBL craze for a really long time. And then all of a sudden, all these celebrities starting like reducing their BBL. So people are like, oh, I'm getting a skinny BBL. And like, I think the best way to do it is to have people in these spaces, like really disrupted, you know? And it's like people like me and these other models out there, these other creators out there who are just being like, the standard of beauty is you, it's you. It is whatever you are and however you look, however you present, that's the standard of beauty. Like taking it away from like the society as a whole to you. And I think that's going to be hard, but it's like having more people who like look not the standard or the norm of beauty, whether that is brands having people regardless of disability, regardless of color, regardless of size and shape. And I think that's just going to continue. I think if we actually, as a society, as people, individually, as a industry, as an organization, just decide this is what we're going to do. We're going to saturate these ideas in every thread of our companies, every thread of our society, like I feel like that would change. And I think it takes something super out of the world to do that, but it can just start small scale. It starts from you and being like, listen, that's what you guys think are beautiful, but I'm beautiful to me. Yeah. Whether you think it or not. Absolutely. I'm the standard of beauty and that's how we're going to move.
0: And I also think in some ways, yes, social media, I think, has perpetuated the sort of like white thin standard of beauty, but also in a lot of ways, it's made a lot of room for people who look different to also be seen as beautiful by the people who choose to see them as beautiful and who see them themselves as beautiful, you know? And I do think also like another part of the understanding that like these beauty standards are always changing. Like they're trends. As we said, it's like everyone needs to be obsessed with having no butt, then it's a huge butt. Now it's a smaller butt. It's one day it's big boobs. The next day everyone's getting their implants taken out. Like it's Mm -hmm. just and you will like go bankrupt, like trying to chase all these trends or you'll go crazy trying to chase all these trends. It's almost the same, I think, as like fashion trends. It's like for a couple of years, we're all obsessed with skinny jeans. And now like no one wants anything to do with skinny jeans. We all hated low rise. Now low rise is coming back. And so it's like you can't Twist and morph yourself into fitting into these boxes that were possibly like never even meant to include you. So, yeah, like I agree. It's really about all of us embracing our individuality and knowing that we are all the standard. Absolutely. Love it. Retreat. Obsessed. <laughs> so, uh, the positivity and confidence that you exude in your content, as I said, it's amazing, it's contagious. But like real talk, how do you cultivate self-love and self-confidence in your life? Like, what does that practice look like for you?
1: Space is a really big thing for me. This past week and a half, I've taken a way to sort of be with my family and heal, grieve, And space has been like a really big thing for me in terms of like just regenerating and coming back when I'm ready. And that comes with self-discipline and taking accountability for the fact that I'm not always positive. And I think people think that, like, how are you always so confident and positive and all these things? And the thing is that every single day I wake up and I choose that. That's why I feel like that. But I am just human like we all are. And even though that's the way I want to live my life, I wake up and I'm sad. I wake up and I'm not feeling myself. I wake up and I'm just like feeling lazy. I just want to hang around. I'm, I wake up and I'm crying, you know, and like this past week has been like really heavy for me. I used to feel really guilty about not showing up, not only for myself, but my community on my worst days. There was a point, you know, when I was starting this out, I was posting on my worst days i was showing up at events and you know doing podcasts on my worst days and i thought that for my own sake and if i do truly love myself and do truly love this community then i will do what's the best for me mm-hmm. and that's something i already preached and why not take my own advice and so something that has really helped me cultivate this whole thing has been space and time whether that is You know, these weekends where I delete social media off my phone so I can just be by myself or be with my friends or taking time away to just be intentional, not with myself, but with my friends and family, because I'm just getting to a point where I love my job and I love my community and I love my audience and I love my team and I love what I do. But at the end of the day, I'm learning that the most important thing to me is community and people actual tangible things. And my work can only do so much for me. To be my best and to be the queen that I feel like I am and to live in this sense of self-love and confidence, I
0: need to put myself first, take space and breathe. I love that. Absolutely. And it's so important to disengage when you need to. And I think, as you said, people... You know, know you for being upbeat and positive. But I think it's also important on the flip side for them to know, like, yes, you are someone who struggles. You've had a loss recently that you are grieving and you're setting such a positive example for people that it's OK to take a step back. It's OK to deal with your feelings and then come back to people.
1: Yeah. It's hard in a society where it's like such hustled culture, like, wake up, Make that money. Wake up, mm-hmm. stack up. Do this. <laughs> flights. Do you know, it's so hard to like not feel like you need to be doing all those things and like grinding and hustling. You know, in that kind of you know society, but it's just so beautiful and important and healing to take that step back.
0: Yeah, and I think once you do take that step back, you're like, oh wait, it's actually totally fine. I don't need to be going at. 100 miles per hour every single day, like it teaches you that actually you can take a step back and things aren't going to fall apart. People aren't going to like all of a sudden abandon you. You can pick up where you left off. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yes. And, you know, speaking of your community, one of the things, again, that I love about your content is the way that you connect and relate to your audience. Obviously, you call everyone your besties and finding and creating that community online is really powerful. But where do you find the most meaningful sense of community in your everyday life? Definitely like my friends. I think it's really
1: easy for me to isolate. Like I've been in a place where I'm like, I can take care of anything. I can do it myself. I don't need to bother anyone. I can just take care of me. I can do all these things on myself. I can move. I can like just that sense of like hyper independence. And I think it's also really huge for Black women. Like I can do it by myself. I'm powerful. I'm strong and all these things. And so it's really easy for me to like isolate myself and like just have my digital community. But like my physical community, like in New York is what holds me down. And I think we're all trying to be so intentional because we're all going through our own things. It's a new year. People are like healing from things. People are trying to grow in a new season. And so my biggest sense of community is my friends here. And also my family, you know, like I know they live very far away from me, but like we are really close and we stay in touch so much. And just having that groundedness of people who like truly, really know me and understand me as a person is something that's really important for me.
0: How do you deal with negativity on social media? Like, do you feel like you get a lot of hate? Because I feel like I read your comments and they always like seem really positive. But I think also being woman of a certain size, like you're always going to have people who want to say things about like what you should and shouldn't wear for your body and things of that nature?
1: At first, it got under my skin. I was like ready to fight every battle, like (laughs) any bad comment. I'm in your DMs. I'm telling you how it is. I'm (laughs) dragging you and all these things like and it would like really get under my skin. I could get a thousand great comments. And if I get one, I'm like, done. I'm done. I'm like, Lord, take me now. I can't do this. It was just so awful and bad for my mental health. Something I was doing for a long time was like just blocking and prosper because like the, everything you're telling me right now is has everything to do with you and nothing to do with me. Like, If you can take time out of your day, the your day where you could do anything and put your energy into writing something negative about me, that says everything about you, baby. And so that's just the way I'm seeing it. And like, you're talking about projecting your insecurities onto me because I'm out here just loving. Like I'm not out here like doing anything crazy. I'm not telling people to do crazy things with their lives. I am literally just out here on the sexiest part of the internet telling people to love themselves. And if you have a problem with that, that has everything to do with you. And so now I'm just gonna block and move on if I do have time, I'll read you and let the internet know that you were dumb enough to come onto my internet and say something this vile. Like, I always ask people, like, do you feel better now? Right. Are you feeling good? Hmm. Hmm. Please look at yourself in the mirror, honey, and read that comment back to yourself and see how you feel. Because this has nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. Mwah. Love management. And I leave it as that. I love that. You got to
0: protect your peace. You got to protect your peace. Protect
1: your peace. Ugh, heavy on that, actually. Heavy on protecting my peace.
0: Uh, Chiang, this has been such a great conversation. But before I let you go, is there any parting message or thought that you would like to leave on our listeners for today? Yes. Oh, my God.
1: We've talked a little bit about taking space for yourself. And I think... It's so important to take a step back. There's so many crazy things happening in the world right now and so many heavy things happening, you know, even within the mix of good. But something that my cousin sent to me that I think about a lot of times when I feel like, oh, I can't do this. I need to be doing this. I need to be working. I need to be this. I need to be calling all these people, whatever, is this quote that Michaela Cole, who is a fabulous actor, said. She says, visibility these days seems to somehow equate to success which it doesn't okay do not be afraid to disappear from it from us for a while and see what comes to you in the silence and I think that's just important for people to hear and listen especially as we're going into the summer where people feel like oh I need to be doing this I need to have a summer body I need to have the perfect this and all these things or I need to be as successful as this person so I can be here and all these things. Like, Just take time from it, from us, and see what comes to you in the silence. And I feel like that's just
0: very healing and good to hear. Absolutely. I love that quote and thought about that hard when I first saw it. She's brilliant. Yes, she is queen. Thank you so much for being here. It was such a joy to talk to you. And I also want to say good luck with your own podcast, because I know you launched one recently. I listened to the first few episodes and I mean, you were born to be a podcaster.
1: Thank you so much, y'all. Please check it out. The Queen's Archives. She's cute. She's amazing. But Thank you so much for having me here, Christy. I appreciate you. Talk to you soon.
0: I want to give a huge thank you to Achiang for coming on the show today and talking about empowering people to authentically live their best lives through self-love and self-confidence. And remember, we're here to provide access to mental health resources and support to those who need it most. For more information, visit Maybelline.com slash brave together. And don't forget to make sure you're subscribed to I'm Fine You. And if you're enjoying the show, leave us a review and tell us what you like. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Christy Rutherford, and this has been I'm Fine You, presented by Maybelline New York.